You know, I was thinking as I was putting this, this talk together that all of us uh, have different goals, different hopes, different desires, but there's three things that I believe we all want. doesn't matter who you are, uh, where you're from, we all want the same three things. Uh, number one is we want to be healthy. We want to be in good health, right? Am I right about that? Are you with me? Come on. We want to be in good health. You can, have, you can have all the money in the world, but if you're in the hospital, it does you no good, right? I mean, we want to be healthy. We want to be healthy. I tell you, uh, isn't it amazing how you have certain parts of your body you never, ever think about, but when they stop working good, you think about them all day long. Right? I hurt my baby toe the other day. I didn't think about anything but that baby toe. I'm going to tell you right now, when it's not hurting, I'm never thinking about that little thing. I'm just like, I didn't even know I needed it. So anyway, the second thing that I feel like all of us want to have is financial strength. Financial strength. Now, you may be a person that says, I don't want to be a millionaire, and that's awesome for you. Um, But none of us want to be broke. None of us want to be broken, and, and, and all of us want to have enough money to take care of our needs and, and help other people, right? Help other people. Uh, we, it, doesn't it feel good uh, to roll down the window and, and hand somebody some money, uh, some guy standing at the corner? I'm going to embarrass my brother real quick. Uh, he saw someone on the street corner and decided, I'm going to go to McDonald's and get him something to eat. So he went to McDonald's. No, he, he said, no, I'm not. I changed my mind. So he decided to drive around the block and go do something else. And he's like, no, no, I really think I'm supposed to go to McDonald's and get that guy some food. So he goes to McDonald's. He drives up, and he's like, man... I don't know what he wants. I don't know if he likes fish. I don't know if he likes quarter pounder with cheese. And so he gets a number one and number two and number three and number four and number five. He gets them all, all of them. So he's got all these bags and he drives back up to the guy to give it to him and he's gone. <laughs> and so let's just say he got sick that night. <laughs> but it feels good to do something for somebody. You know, it just feels good. So we want to be financially strong. And number three, we want to be happy. Right? Doesn't it feel good to be happy? We just want to be happy. Uh, we want to smile. We want to just be in a good mood. Nobody likes to be in a bad mood. When you're in a bad mood, you don't like, man, this feels great to be in a bad mood. No, we, we like to be happy. But the interesting thing about those three things is you can't get any of them if you go straight at it. You can't go possess those three things if you move towards them directly. Let's just take one for example. Money, financial stability. Raise your hand if you have a job. Go ahead, raise your hand if you have a job. Imagine showing up to your job tomorrow morning and say, I'm here for money. Where's the money? I'm told that you give money. I want money. You gave, you put money on my check last week. I want some more of it. Give me some money. They will show you the door. You don't get money by going straight at at it. You get money indirectly. You show up to your place of work and you solve a problem. You solve that problem. I don't care if it's somebody's thirsty and you provide drinks. You solve a problem and then in turn, you get money. You get it indirectly. Everybody, I want you to be happier right now. One, two, three, go. You can't be happier just by, you're not genie, you can't, or bewitched, you can't shake your nose, be happy. You don't go, I'm going to be happy right now, 
you can't be happy that way. You don't go directly at happiness. You, you do something that indirectly causes you to be happy. Amen. Are you with me? And so all of these things, you don't get them directly, but here's what the enemy does. He causes us to want those three things so bad that we move at them directly and we push everything else out. And, and uh, I, I talked about this before, but adults, we have spotlight vision. When you're one through, or zero days to 24 months, I don't know when you actually stop calling a, a baby by their months, or you address their age by years, but uh, I don't know what that cutoff is. But uh, does anyone have, is it 24 months? Like, like nobody says, I'm 179 months. Like... <laughs> At a certain point, you stop doing months. But I was reading, I was reading this, this article about babies, and, and uh, up to 24 months, they don't have spotlight vision. They don't focus on one thing like adults do. Uh, they have lantern vision. In other words, they can't concentrate on one thing for very long. They're, they're just constantly like this. And because the enemy knows that as adults we have spotlight vision, we get focused on something and we just... just focus on it until it's completed, the enemy gets us to focus on those three things and push everything else out. Here's the thing. God wants those three things for you too. He wants you to have money. He wants money to go to you and then through you. Amen. He wants you to be in good health. He wants you to be happy. When you're happy, he's happy. When I'm looking at my 17-month-old girl eating a, 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 an ice cream cone, I'm happier than she is. She's got it up her nose, around her mouth, in her ear. None of it is getting in her mouth. It's all over here. She's loving it, and I feel happy. I'm like, I'm, I did that. <laughs> I, I made her happy. And God has the same set of emotions. He looks at you and you're like, I did that. Ladies, when you get a new pair of shoes and you're like, I needed these. I only have 27 pair, but I needed toes out. <laughs> you already have blue, but my, they were close toe. I need open toe blue. Oh. God looks at you. He gets happy when you get happy. In fact, the Bible says this in Psalms 35, verse 27. Let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. He takes pleasure in it. He likes it. He enjoys it. That's the kind of father you serve. But here's the thing. He has three things, too. He has three things, too, that run in parallel that are as, if not more important, than the previous three. Here's his three. Number one is to grow spiritually. To never stop growing, to constantly be growing. I'm 6'2", I'm done growing. I hope I'm done. <clears throat> but we stop growing at a certain point physically. With, with God, his desire is that we never stop growing. In Acts chapter 2, Peter stood up and he was filled with the Spirit. That's very key. He was filled with the Spirit of God. And he preached a message. And the Bible says that he preached with boldness. He was a man on fire. I mean, he had fire running. 2,000 people got saved. They gave their life to God right then and there because of his boldness. Now, in Acts chapter 4, something fascinating happened. He got arrested. He got thrown in jail. 
His friend got thrown in jail. When they got out of jail, they had a prayer meeting and they were scared to death. But they didn't want to stop preaching, but they were scared. So they prayed for boldness. Isn't it interesting that the level of boldness that he had in Acts chapter 2 was not enough for Acts chapter 4? Why is that? New levels, new devils. Certain challenges, certain skill set. That skill set is good if you're still in middle school. If you're applying for a job, you better have a greater skill set. As we live life, as we, God gives us more opportunity, we need more of a blessing. And so that's the first thing. He wants us growing, 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 growing. The, the second thing that he, that he wants to see us do is lead people to Christ. Paul said this, all of my education is like cow dung. You know what cow dung is? Let me take, no, I'm not. <laughs> Count all of my education, everything I've ever done. Let me say something that's very forthright. When you and I get to heaven, an eternity has begun and it's never going to stop. Technically, it's already started, but you understand what I'm saying. When we get to heaven, everything we've done on earth is going to be equal to cow dung in comparison to investing our life to get one more person in heaven. Let me tell you something. We need to make heaven crowded, and we need to live our life to make hell empty. And and I'm just saying, I'm I'm going to Canada in a a couple weeks. My father-in-law has cancer. I like hanging out with my in-laws like I like getting a hole in my head. That's technically not true. Uh, I love my in-laws. And I'm not just kidding. I just, they're just an easy shot, especially my mother-in-law, because she's the easiest shot to take, and she's got such a good attitude about it, and she's more of a mom to me than I ever dreamed I'd have in a mother-in-law. Um, but I'm bringing up my in-laws to say this. I'm going to Canada in a couple weeks because my father-in-law has stage 4 cancer, and he's not saved. And I'm praying to God. I'm praying to God that I get an opportunity to turn that tide because if I don't and what I believe happens and I know what I believe is right he's going to burn for eternity and everything else that I've done in my life other than getting people into heaven is going to be equivalent to cow dung so that's what God wants us focused on and number three to be an impact what does that mean I'm talking specifically about the atmosphere that you find yourself in. The atmosphere of your home, the atmosphere of your office, the atmosphere to be an impact to your atmosphere. Now, here's the thing. We got six things that we all want to be good at. We all want to be happy. We all want to have financial strength. We all want to be in, in uh, good health. We all want to have an impact. We all, we all want these things. These are six things. Now, here's the thing. I'm lucky to get one of those things done. All six of them done. That's impossible. I'm busy. I eat a lot. <laughs> and I sleep. And I have three kids. You guys have a job. And you, how many hours a day do you have available to invest into these six things? I don't know about you. Sometimes I don't have time to use the bathroom. Have you ever needed to use the bathroom, but you don't have time to use the bathroom, and so you just try to hang on? It's miserable. 
I could have came up with a better example. <laughs> I know. But it, it, it's, it, how are we going to get all six things done? In a fast-moving life, here's the thing. It's impossible to get all six of those things done directly. But if you pursue with passion one thing, you'll get all the other six things done indirectly. Paul, uh, uh, John said it this way. Not John or Paul. It was actually David in Psalms. <laughs> <laughs> Psalms chapter 27. It actually reads like this. This is in your Bible. Psalms 27, verse 4. One thing I have desired of the Lord. That will I seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Basically, he's saying this, this one thing, this one thing, this one thing. I'm a dad, I'm a husband, I've got a job, I'm a ruler over Israel, but this one thing I want, I want to gaze at the beauty of the Lord. I want to be in the house of God. I want to be in the temple of God. I want to be in the presence of God. I want to gaze at his beauty. I want to be it. I, this is what I want to do. Now watch this, watch this. Solomon, what do you want? I want want wisdom. That's honorable and that's awesome. David, what do you want? I want to gaze at his beauty. Moses, what do you want? That's awesome. David, what do you want? I want to gaze at his beauty. I want to be in his presence. This one thing I want. This one thing. Peter, what do you want? I want to walk on water. That's awesome. David, what do you want? This one thing I want. This was the cry of his heart. He was laser focused. There's other things I want. There's other things I would like to have. There's other things I legitimately need. But at the end of the day, this one thing I want, this one thing I desire, and that is to be in the house of the Lord, to gaze at the beauty of his face, to be in the temple of God. And every single day, Judas, what do you want? I want more money. That's not good. But what do you want, David? I want to be in the presence of God. This was his one thing. And if you look at his life, those other six things, that's just the start of the list that God gave him. There's four questions, four navigating questions that we can ask ourselves to determine how well are we doing at pursuing that one thing. And, and the first thing is this, am I pursuing righteousness? Now watch this. This is so important. We cannot say that that one thing, the presence of God, is the most important to us if righteousness is not. What is righteousness? Righteousness is doing things right in the eyes of the Lord. Amen. What is that? It's a certain type of lifestyle. Now, don't read it now. Read it when you get home. Ephesians chapter 5 has a whole list of things. I'm just going to pick one because I like to talk about elephants in the room. If you're having sex with somebody, if you're living with somebody that you're not married to, I've got an announcement for you. I do weddings. <laughs> I do weddings. 
I, I do what, Judy, do I do weddings? I do good weddings too, don't I? I do, I, don't I do great weddings? See, see, I didn't even pay her for that. I'll, I'll tell you what, if you're living with somebody, I'll marry you today. I mean, I won't marry you. I'll officiate. <laughs> I'll officiate the wedding today. In my right, I'll do it right when we don't do weddings in the sanctuary on Sunday. But, you know, just for today, I'll do it today right here. Okay? Why am I saying this? Because it is the righteous way, and I don't want any of us thinking that you can live unrighteous and claim to be pursuing God at the same time. You can claim that all you want to, but it's not the truth. I can go stand in my garage and call myself a Ferrari all day long. <laughs> you, can, you can claim whatever you want to claim. I'll marry, you know, I love weddings. You know why I love weddings is it doesn't matter how good I do or how bad I do, people are still going to leave happy. They're like, da, 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 da. funerals, different ball game. I can do great as a pastor, as an orator, as a wordsmith, and they're still leaving slad. Just as a sidebar. But anyway, being righteous is incredibly important. The way we speak, the things we do, how we live when we're not in this room, it is incredibly important. Now, some of us may back up and say, man, I'm telling you, I know it's unrighteous. I know it's sinful, but I crave it like a baby craves chocolate, and I don't know what to do. I got great news for you. God sees your heart, and when you pray with I'm not talking about some zombie prayer the same way you pray for your breakfast, Lord bless these Cheerios. I'm talking about the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Fervent prayer. I'm saying, you, it, here, when, when I'm praying around you guys, I realize I'm not the only person in the room, and so I'm, I'm praying I don't want to be a distraction. But when I'm at home and y'all aren't around, that's a good southern word right there, y'all. Y'all aren't around. I go in my guest bedroom. I lock the door. I say, hey, kids, leave me alone. I shut the door. Frankie's doing what we used to call growing up carpet time. I get down in the carpet and I cry and there's a pool of snot that's in my feet. You don't have to pray this way. I'm just saying whatever, whatever effectual and fervent prayer is to you, you do it and you pray and you tell God, I love that sin like a baby loves candy, but I don't want to love it because I know you don't want me to love it. We got a big problem here. Help me out. You know what the Bible says? Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled. Amen. Man, this is kind of good this morning. This is kind of good. Give the Lord a round of applause. Number two, am I pursuing the presence of God? So number one, are you pursuing righteousness? Number two, the presence of God. What is pursuing the presence of God from a very practical standpoint? It's putting your mind's attention and your heart's affection on God. Your mind's attention, heart's affection. Raise your hand if you know the name Joel Osteen. Go ahead, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Uh, he pastors the largest church in America. Um, it's not the world. A guy by the name of Youngie Cho pastors the largest church in the world. Last I heard, he had like two million in his church. That's a lot of people. Uh, but Joel Osteen, um, he pastors, my wife and I had the privilege and honor of working for him for a few years. But his dad is who I want to talk about. His dad's name is John. Now, John Osteen, before he died, was looked at by anyone who knew him as like a modern-day Moses or Abraham. 
Now, one of my closest friends, his name is Johnny, he used to drive Pastor John around. Now he drives Joel around, but he drives, used to drive Johnny around, I mean, um, Pastor John around. And he told me about these times, plural, where he'd be driving the car, and he'd hear Pastor John mumbling. And he would say, I'm sorry, sir, did you say something? And Pastor John would say, I'm sorry, Johnny, I, I was just praying. And this would happen all the time. That Pastor John was always praying in his head, praying out loud, praying in his heart. Praying. And we look at a Pastor John and we just go, how do you have kids like that, man? How do you have a, a son that's always happy? Like, my gosh. Like, how, <laughs> like, like how in the world? Like, what in the world? Oh, for you, you got those six other things and ten other things. But all you did was focus on that one thing. Are you pursuing the presence of God? Let me say this. If you're not pursuing, you're drifting. Now, you may be in this room every single Sunday, 52 weeks out of the year, but if you're not pursuing, you're drifting. And how do you know if you're drifting? Just check the passion of your heart. Just how often does he come to your mind? If you're not pursuing, you're drifting. Number three... Am I pursuing childhood? Now, I'm not going to pass out face paint or anything um, and us all act like kids, but the Bible says this, that we're supposed to pursue him as children. Now, this is a very delicate topic because I am not by any stretch of the imagination suggesting that we turn off our intellect and be moved by emotions only, especially here in the woodlands the leadership density is very thick. There's a lot of leaders um, in this area, even in the entire Montgomery County area. Spring, I mean, when I look around this crowd, there's a lot of sharp people. Um, those of you that live in Spring, Conroe, it, it, this, uh, this part of the, of, of the greater Houston area, this northwest area, the, the leadership density is very thick. And so for me to say, hey, be moved by emotion and faith only and just be like a child. That doesn't connect to people like you because you're a thinker and you don't want to check your brain at the door. You're not going to just turn your brain off and go, I'm just going to feel my way through this thing. No, you're not going to do that because you're an intellect, you're smart, and you want things to make sense. And I want to challenge you that the questions that you have, go exploring, study. You get the internet, type, why does bad things happen to good people? And make sure you're reading Christian articles and, and, and get yourself some books and study and read and study the Bible. Don't just like be ignorant, study. But here's the thing. There's a certain point where you have learned all you can learn, and then you back up and you go, man, God is so big, I'll never understand all of him. It's time for me to just start having some faith and being sure of what I hope for and certain of what I cannot see. And that's the child side of you. And when you were a child, it was easy for you. And now that you've gotten older, have you gotten too smart for your own good? Saul was the first king of Israel. And a prophet came up to him and said, do you remember when you were small in your own eyes? Didn't God bless you and give you the whole kingdom? Well, now look at you. And so this morning I want to say, inside of you, 
is still a child that wants to have faith and just believe on your father, your dad. How many of you have seen the movie Hook? You guys seen the movie Hook with Robin Williams? It's one of my favorite movies of all time because it's about Peter Pan. Who doesn't love Peter Pan? If you don't love Peter Pan, I want to pray for you right now. <laughs> Peter Pan, he flies for goodness sakes. He fought a guy with a sword with a knife. That's awesome. Anyway, Peter Pan in this, in this movie, The Hook, um, for those of you guys that have heard me speak a long time, I am not on a rabbit trail. This actually has something to do with my sermon, which might even be scarier. Um, but in the movie Hook, Robin Williams plays Peter Pan. And he used to be at, on Never Never Land. And, and at Never Never Land, you never grow up. And so he was Peter Pan as a child, a little boy, in Never Never Land. Well, as the movie unfolds, he leaves Never Never Land and comes to Earth. Well, the trouble with that is, is that you grow up on Earth. And so Peter Pan ends up growing up into a full-grown, middle-aged man. And he doesn't remember that he used to be Peter Pan. And because he doesn't have that childlike mentality, he can't do what he used to do. And so in the movie Hook, the, the whole uh, movie is about trying to determine whether or not he really is Peter Pan and can we get him to think like a child again. Even he wasn't sure he was Peter Pan. And the other kids weren't sure. Rather than trying to describe it, let me show you a clip. said this here skug ain't Peter Pan. Cross the line.
this kid inside of us that believes like a kid that if Jesus says to come to me those of you who are heavy burdened and I will give you rest a kid just says okay an adult goes now what do you mean by burdened <laughs> and a kid just says ah oh. Here's point number four, my last and final point. To make an impact. You, you look at yourself and, and, and say, if I'm pursuing one thing, putting my mind's attention and my heart's affection, am I making an impact? Um, what do I mean by that? There's a guy named Gideon in the Bible, and, and he asked God, he said, I want to go to war, um, but I want to know if you're going to help me win. And the Bible says that the Spirit of God came upon him. Now, that alone is cool enough. I mean, just the Spirit of God coming upon us and all of a sudden, like this superhuman strength or intellect or insight, just, I mean, that alone is cool enough. But... There's more to the words came upon him than what means the eye. If you look up those words, the Hebrew says it this way. To put on, wear, clothe, or be clothed. So essentially, God put on Gideon the way a man puts on a glove. So when God comes upon us, He literally moves through us like a man can put on a glove. When they won, when Gideon won that war, it was God's hand pushing through. Some of your family situations are so complex, there's so much emotion. There's so much anger. There's so much, so many details that when you look at it, you just don't even, you're trapped in your own life. You just back up and you go, how in the world? Let me just share with you. God moves through not just you, but your whole life. It changes the atmosphere. You want to know something interesting about atmosphere? Saul was plagued by this spirit that caused him to be downtrodden and depressed and plagued. And so what he'd do is he'd bring in David. And David was a worshiper. And David came in and he changed the atmosphere when he worshiped. I want you to know that you can change 
any atmosphere that you're in. You may work with somebody that has a very aggressive, mean, insulting, negative, pessimistic, sarcastic personality, and every time they show up to work, they bring it in. I just want to let you know, greater is he that is in you. It's in the world. And God will put you on like a man puts on a glove, and you can push that right out. You can change the atmosphere of your home. Change the atmosphere of your car. Change the atmosphere of your family. Change the atmosphere of, of wherever you go. You make an impact. These are p- things that a person that says, I'm concentrating on one thing, Satan, you're not going to fool me in trying to get me to be consumed with other things that will one day just be cowdung. I'm going to do those things and I'm going to do them well, but I'm consumed with the presence of God, putting my mind's attention and my heart's affection on Him. Now, some of you may say, Frankie, I'm the one that makes the depressive negative atmosphere. Well, that's good news because that means you only have to change one person. (laughs) 